Hello and welcome to another episode of Spilled Words, the podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen and go with me through this platform. I hope you enjoy this episode. In this episode, in honor of Mother's Day, I talk about the women who have shaped who I have become. I can't give enough credit to every single one because I have been surrounded by many strong women in my life. But this is dedicated to my mother, her mother, and all the mothers who have worked tirelessly to shape our futures, break ceilings for us, and loved us fearlessly. I loved Christmas time as a child. I looked forward to going to grandma's during Christmas. It was a tradition of my childhood that I hold so dear. We would come home from the last day of school and almost immediately start parking for the trip. I was glad. Because this was one holiday break when my mother wouldn't be breathing down my neck about finishing my school assignment or that I was spending so much time watching TV and insisting that I should be in the library from Monday through Friday. Every year, during the December holiday, for about four weeks, we would go to my grandma's and spend time with her until the New Year's. And I loved every single year more than the previous. I remember things differently now that I'm older, with a fondness. We always arrived at my grandma's at a set time. 2pm. You could never get there too early or too late because in this part of the country, anytime after 4pm, you risk getting soaked in the rain and anytime later than that, you may just bump into a night runner or two. The walkway from the main road to my grandmother's house was narrow and mostly muddy because of the constant heavy rains. The greenery was lush and exotic, filled with napier grass and corn. An earthy scent filled the air with a tinge of earthy loom. The fruits... Worn trees hanging heavy with their colors mixing and blending so perfectly, creating a fruity rainbow. Tall trees, short trees, all aligned this narrow path and imaginary steps were created all the way down to make it easier not to slide or literally moonwalk all the way. On this narrow walkway down to her house were all my grandfather's houses. I'd be excited to see them seated outside, soaking in the sun and drinking traditional beer. In about a day, we would be nomads in these houses, going from one grandparent's house to the next, all until sunset. And the best part was our mothers were not here to scold us for going to everyone's houses so we could move as freely as we wanted. We walked all the way down, half sliding, half stumbling. It was like playing hop, skip and jump, except there was mud all the way up your ankles and our pants were filled with blackjack thorns. As we approached the house, we would hear grandma already laughing, ecstatic that her grandchildren had finally arrived. Our grandfather would be seated on his favorite chair, excited as well, but he was a man of very few words, so the only way to figure out if he was happy that we were finally here was how quick he yelled for one of his chicken to be prepared for us that night. Life with grandma was routine, but very memorable. We would wake up with her at the crack of dawn. I loved how different this was contrasted to our life in the city. In the city, we'd wake up, turn the TV on, and catch up with Tom and Jerry, or go outside and play Kalongo with her neighbor's kids. But here, we would wake up to cocks growing almost obnoxiously, the air outside crisp, but dump, rising blast to our sleepy eyes and kissing our faces. We would wake up to see the sun rise as the darkness thinned out, the fog clearing out, and objects beginning to slowly reveal themselves. The huge avocado trees, the landscape of hills and valleys with tea plantation arranged so neatly as if drawn. You could hear the flowing of the river below and the sheep starting to bleat. 
the light of dawn, cold and crisp, gradually would fill the world. One by one, we would follow her as she went to milk the cows. I loved walking that early in the morning and feeling the moistness of the ground in dew. I admired how my grandmother would be so energetic in the morning while I stood beside her, rubbing my eyes, barely able to construct a sentence. She would start a fire to make tea, head out to the tea or coffee farm to plant or harvest depending on the seasons. And then when it was mid-morning, she would prepare porridge, flour after harvesting it, give us gorgeous headscarves so we don't ruin our hair, and then later in the afternoon head to the market to open her business. I loved watching her work so enthusiastically throughout the whole day. My grandmother is a voracious storyteller, like movie-level storytelling. Every late afternoon, the rain would start pouring outside, its timing almost scheduled. A heavy downpour would usually ensue. Water gurgled down the ground and seamlessly flowed to the end of the hills. Inside the house, the sound of rain on the tin roof was loud, rain beating louder than any conversation in the kitchen. It was loud, but oddly calming and familiar. Grandma would light a fire and start narrating stories. Then there would be laughter and all of us completely enraptured. Her stories were broad. Some gossip, some actual tales of her children. Some were in such thick mother tongue description I barely understood what was being conversed about. The memory, so fond. My grandmother is a badass. She had never been to college, but she was the trusted neighborhood's midwife. She would walk out to the house with concern and urgency as soon as she had someone was in labor with a small bag with essentials that they had been provided by the local hospital. She walked in a room and she commanded it. She spoke and we all listened. Mid-conversation, she would barely mean to crack a joke, but everyone would be in roaring laughter. She was traditional in every sense of the word. In fact, up until this day, I have never seen my grandmother in trousers. She holds her religion closest to her heart and raised seven amazing children. But she was also strong-willed, stubborn, and can almost never be told what to do because once she's made up her mind, that was final. Everything my grandmother advised me to do contradicted the life that she had lived. She encouraged me to go to university, yet she hadn't been herself. She encouraged me to enjoy my 20s and not rush into marriage, yet she had been married very young. She cheers every single one of us grandchildren with pride when we achieve success. She's incredibly traditional, but in complex ways quite liberal with how we shouldn't strive for less. She's an incredibly strong woman who, as much as we spent four weeks in a year with her in our childhood, she shaped a lot of our years in our adulthood. Once I was grown enough to start taking public transportation by myself, I noticed my mother started a new trend. She would say the same prayer, every day before I left the house. I, for a while, thought this was a well-thought-out prayer before I realized it was actually a Bible verse. Every day, she would pray and say, May the good Lord watch over you and protect you. May he guide you and keep you safe. You are blessed going out and coming in, and may his face shine upon you. She still yells this every day before I leave the house. This have always been my words of affirmation, and have been a defining ritual of my childhood, a beautiful reminder that I am covered by my mother's prayer. As a child, this was my mother's favorite line. If Ben Carson, who was not the smartest kid in his class, can become a pediatric surgeon, so can you. I would hear this phrase multiple times a week and, of course, throughout my childhood. 
I had at this point read the book Think Big quite a few times. I read it so many times that the pictures in the middle pages are engraved in my brain. I went to school quite young, as I have mentioned before, and I was always three or four years younger. Was I smarter? Probably not. But in the book by Ben Carson, he talks about his childhood and how he ultimately ends up being a surgeon. He wasn't the smartest child. In fact, he wasn't even average. He was straight up in the bottom. But his mom played a huge role in transforming his life and his career by changing how he studied and spent his time at home. My mom, like every other African parent, took this other sign and pursued this as a path to raise me. I wasn't the dumbest person in my class, but she was on a mission to make me the smartest, just like Ben in his book. Most kids looked forward to the holiday breaks, but I didn't. Not because I didn't miss my family, but because as soon as I got home, my mom had bought books that she had for me to read every week, and she would wait for me to tell a synopsis. I spent Monday to Friday in the library. I am not even exaggerating with this. I was 11 in class 8, similar to 8th grade, and during a PTA, one of my teachers said, I think one boy is brilliant, but she may need to go back at least two grades for her to not feel out of place because people in her class are ahead of her, physically, mentally, and emotionally. But my mom smiled politely, and I was honestly not expecting the words that came right after. Calmly, she responded, I don't worry about her catching up to her classmates because she won't. She's younger, but I do know that she's smart enough to pass her exams and that's what's important. And that was it. Sometimes, I believed in what my mother said more than I believed myself. But the best part was, she never doubted what I could do. When I was in high school, I had one of those moments where I felt like I still wasn't able to catch up. And I was on the verge of tearing up because the pressure had slowly welled up. My mother looked at me sternly. She asked, What's wrong? And I choked, almost whispering, I said, I don't know if I can do this and pass, mom, referring to my exams. I saw her have the same reaction she did to my class A teacher, smiled, and she responded, well, you're only going to fail if you choose to. It's not about how old you are, it's about how much effort you're willing to put in. If your classmates wake up at 4 a.m., then you wake up at 2 a.m. If they sleep at 11 p.m., then you sleep at 12 a.m. I don't think she accounted or cared for how much sleep I got. But if there's anything my mother doesn't appreciate, is failure or giving up. The complexity of a mother's love is difficult to fathom and narrate in one story because it's ever-changing and ever-gradual, not just for me, but for all of us. None of us can pinpoint one exact time that our mother changed our lives because it's in the little moments, the unnoticed ones, that they actually change our lives. The moments when they condemn us, the moments when they tell us to speak up and be confident in our voices, the moments they push us in annoying ways at times, but this influences the choices we make, and also the moments they pray for us because Lord knows how well we are covered by these prayers. I'm a child of history, and I am born of an African heritage. I am the daughter of a woman whose strength and valor cannot be expressed in words. We are daughters and granddaughters of women who went above and beyond their ways and their norms to find us a new norm, a different path that would set the tone for generations to come. I was talking to my mother about this recently, and I was telling her how differently she raised us. She gives herself the least credit for the tremendous job she's done for me and my sisters. She beautifully said, 
Our children's dreams are ours because we fought for their freedom. I don't need credit or recognition for bringing up my children because that would make it a job and it wasn't. It was my path to change their destinies so they can have less what-ifs in their stories. See, it's hard for us to see the collective change that has been brought by the women before us. They literally have created a revolution just by choosing to stand and saying no to the norms of the misogynistic cultures. They said... We are happy to be wives and mothers, but that's not the only path we want to take. They ensure that we would grow up and have the choice to say, I can have four children, be a wife, and still enroll in a master's program. The weight of this advantage that has been granted to us is indescribable. We have the role in our lives to shape the paths of our daughters or granddaughters and every girl child we encounter. This is not to put pressure on us or make us feel obliged, but to remind us of where we come from. It is also important for us to reconcile where we have come from and in reality our story as the girl child to who we are becoming. To remember to credit our mothers and our grandmothers and our great-grandmothers for setting us apart by setting themselves up to be in so many ways our examples. The relationship that we have with our parents are complex. And honestly, African mothers are complex. They live on extremes. There is never an in-between. They are either extremely annoying or extremely lovable. They will force feed you when you are genuinely not hungry. They will insult you, but I guess insults are an African love language. They will never apologize. They will never let you date, but they want you to bring a husband home once you're quote-unquote ripe for marriage. They will never admit they're wrong but they will also pray over you fiercely. They will narrate stories with such dramatic effects, stronger than a narration by Mindy. They constantly push us forward and remind us the importance of preserving our culture. They will ululate with joy and pride in all our life ceremonies. And what I think and remember in regards to my mother may not be the same as yours. Some childhoods are painted with pain and loss of mothers, some strained relationships with them, but today... I want us to think of all the good. What do you think of when you think of your mother? Mine is a walking contradiction. She's stunned but reachable. She's both stillness and a roar. She's upholding of tradition but a self-proclaimed feminist. She's both nurturing but can shut you up real quick. And as much as there are a million things you can say about our mothers, they are closest to our hearts because they are our home. Home for me is my mother's smiles and my mother's prayer. With her embrace... I can be confident that I am not alone and be at ease. We love and celebrate you today and every day for teaching us to act quick, believe in ourselves, to achieve and strive for more always, but most importantly, for letting us break and fall apart in your arms, for wiping the boogers of our eyes when we didn't see them, for comforting us when we were sick, embracing us in our vulnerability not with disgust, but with pride that we are still yours, even when we're not our best. As always, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. Please review, rate, subscribe, comment, as I would love to hear your feedback. See you next time. Bye-bye.